The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Scott Chu. Yo, everybody. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As they said, my name is Scott Chu. You can find me on Twitter at IfTheChewFits. Today is Sunday, July 10th. We are here to talk about some baseball, and we'll get right to it. I want to start just a just for a moment to talk about the All-Star break. It's a huge time for injuries, updates, all kinds of things. Uh, managers are going to start being extra conservative as we get close to the break, all these things. So I just want you to know that if you hear someone say he'll be back after the All-Star break, I don't want you to panic. That's really only about 10 days from as the All-Star break runs from the 18th through the 20th and play picks back up on the 21st. So just don't panic. Don't be shocked if a guy's held out for a whole series. It's just something that they do every year to be conservative around this time, uh, especially if the player is in fact an All-Star. So just keep an eye on that. Uh, and we'll, you know, you'll hear me mention it throughout the rest of this podcast. For example, Kevin Gossman is not starting today. Look for him to rejoin the rotation this week. But if he's not in by Wednesday or Thursday, don't be overly surprised if you see the team say he'll be back after the All-Star. Uh, other guys that will be back after the All-Star break because of the fact that they're on the IL are now Wander Franco and Kevin Kiermeyer. Race put both of them on the IL. Looking for more updates on that later today. Starling Marte injured his left groin for the Mets on Saturday. He's going to get an MRI. Hopefully we get more news on him. Uh, someone who we have all the news we need, unfortunately, is Mitch Garver. He's on the IL again. This time it's for good. He's awaiting surgery that will end his season so he can be safely cut in all redraft leagues, maybe even Dynasty too. Uh, he's really dealt with a lot of injuries lately. Hard to say how much production is left in that bat. Jeff McNeil will be placed on the paternity list tomorrow. He'll likely miss most of the team's first series next week. I expect him to be back at least for the second series, if not a little earlier. George Kirby was sent back down by the Mariners despite very strong results, but it's actually a way for the Mariners to monitor his workload. In leagues where I'm in the middle of the pack trying to move forward, especially in like a shallower redraft, you've now got a tough decision. This might be a player you need to cut because he simply may not pitch enough for you to have an impact. You may want to put him on the trade block or something. Just keep in mind that people are going to realize that he may not pitch much for the rest of the season. Raphael Devers looks to have been safe from, from an IL stint, but he should be out until at least Monday. Kike Hernandez is still having health trouble on the rehab. He missed another game on Saturday, so it's hard to say exactly when he'll be back. 
Russ Detweiler hit the IL with back pain in case you're relying on him in a deep league. CJ Crone and Jose Iglesias both missed Saturday's game with injuries. Wouldn't be a huge shock if they got off today as well, though I'll be keeping a close eye on the lineup. Jeremy Pena missed another start with illness. I don't expect him to be out too much longer, but I mostly expect him to be out today, especially with the Astros with an off day on Monday. Matt Manning is going to begin a rehab assignment uh, this coming week for the Tigers, someone I expect to see back a little after the All-Star break. Lance McCullers had live batting practice. He worked all pitches from his arsenal. He sat between 92 and 93. That's about a tick or two lower than last season, but a really good sign for where he is in his recovery. Daniel Lynch is expected to start one of the doubleheader games on Monday for Kansas City. Uh, An exciting young pitcher, of course. You can definitely look to get back in your lineups. Brewers outfielders Tyrone Taylor and Hunter Renfro will likely rejoin the Brewers just before the weekend uh, in their series against the Giants next week, right before the All-Star break. So keep an eye on them getting back in the uh, back in the lineups. Jacob DeGrom will get a rehab start on Wednesday or Thursday. Keep your ears open about how that goes and when he might come back after the All-Star break. Danny Jimenez of the Oakland A's appears to be close to returning. I don't think he's going to take the closer's job, but someone to keep an eye on if you're really desperate for holds or saves. Speaking of, Denelson Lamette, one-time strikeout starter extraordinaire, should make his 2022 debut at some point, probably today or early in the week for the Padres, out of the bullpen. So keep an eye out for that. Fernando Tatis is getting close to returning to bagging practice without restrictions. He's seeing a doctor to see if he can start swinging that bat with that wrist. I expect a clearer timeline to come out sometime during or after the All-Star break. Brandon Belt is having issues with his left knee. He was removed from the game on Saturday uh, in shallower leagues. He's probably a guy you got to cut. He's not performing right now. He's still got injuries, so that's a problem. And then Harrison Bader may not return till after the All-Star break. He is having a couple issues in his rehab as well with health, so all things to keep an eye on. And then prospect news, Grayson Rodriguez of the Orioles, ace pitcher, had an MRI in his shoulder, came back clean, so we'll hear more about that. And Jeter Downs, infield prospect for the Red Sox, got the call yesterday yesterday and he went one for one with two runs scored in RBI. He really struggled to hit for average since reaching triple A over the last two seasons, though his power returned a bit this year. He's got enough power and speed to be relevant in deep leagues if he gets enough playing time, though I expect him to be really limited to starts against lefties uh, at least until the All-Star break, and then he might even get sent back down. As far as hitting performances from yesterday, we'll start with Marcus Semien. He went two for four with a triple, a home run, two runs scored, four RBI, and a walk. He's been on fire over his last 10 games, hitting four home runs and stealing two bases while adding a combined 22 runs runs in RBI. Whatever funk he was in to start the year, it is long gone. He looks to be on pace for something close to like 25 home runs and 25 steals. It's probably not what you thought you'd get when you drafted him, but honestly, ask yourself, is it worse than what you drafted him for? It's different, but I'm not necessarily sure it's worse. Nolan Jones has really come out with a bang for the Cleveland Guardians. He went two for four with a home run, three RBI, and two walks. He might end up striking out too much at some point, but the Guardians have waited a long time for the call-up of Nolan Jones, and he's delivered so far. He's got two hits in each of his first two games with a double and now a home run. I project him to be a batting average liability, but the power in OBP should be more than enough for speculative ag in leagues where power, where you need power and you can't get your hands on someone like Patrick Wisdom. Gavin Sheets, another power guy. He went two for four with a home run and three RBI. He's hit well in 56 plate appearances since returning from the IL is the mostly everyday right fielder for the Chai Sox, hitting 320 and slugging 540. He's a fairly average hitter overall and probably is off your radar in most 10 to 12 team leagues, but there's a lot of raw power here uh, that maybe he starts to figure out how to tap into. Steven Kwan of the Guardians is not a power bat, but he did go three for six with two doubles, two runs scored, and two RBI. This points league darling has a 393 OBP 
and a 392 slugging in his last 20 games, which is more or less the gist of what to expect right now from Stephen Kwan. That said, he has two doubles over these last three games, and uh, it's something that I totally think he could unlock more, much like a Luis Arias, who could really start turning some singles into doubles. It'd be a big step forward in fantasy, so just keep an eye on that in the back of your mind. This is an extreme hit tool player, and it's something I think he could do. Speaking of extreme hit tools, Juan Soto went two for four with a home run, two runs scored, and a walk. And what's amazing to me is how this guy just decides he doesn't want to hit grounders anymore. Over his last 12 games, Soto is twice as many walks as strikeouts, and almost twice as many balls in the air as he's hit on the ground. Ground balls have been a big problem for Soto this year. He's hit a lot of weak ground balls. It's killing his batting average, but everything we want to see from Soto has happened over the last two weeks or so. We should all be very excited for what's to come. Brandon Drury of the Reds, he went four for five with two doubles and two RBI, and he just won't stop hitting as he extends his extra base hit streak to three games. If he stays healthy and maybe has another power surge in him or two, he could push for 30 home runs with a fairly strong strong batting average. I think he'll fall short of that, but it's very cool to see this nearly 30-year-old journeyman have a breakout season. Patrick Wisdom, who I mentioned before, he went one for three with a double, a run scored, a walk, and a stolen base. He's been a godsend for many who are desperate in corner infield, particularly third base. It's a big problem right now. Over the last 18 games, he's got five home runs and four stolen bases and a 279 batting average with a 372 OBP. The power is unquestionable. The speed's been a nice surprise. Even if the batting average eventually plummets, the boosted walk rate Patrick Wisdom is showing this season as well as a more controlled strikeout strikeout rate, make him an excellent waiver wire ad or even bench piece in even shallower formats right now where you need a corner infielder with power. Nick Senzel has been on just a tear for the Reds. He's He went two for four with two RBI and a walk. He was once a top 10 prospect. And even though he has an excellent start to July. He's got a 186 WRC plus and 34 July plate appearances. His calling card, that hit tool, has been good, but the power still hasn't really developed. I'm watching with mild intrigue to see if the power he's shown a little bit lately continues. That said, Nick Senzel to me, just a streamer, nothing more than that, mixed formats. And finally, I want to talk about John Birdie of the Marlins. He went three for five with a double and stolen base, and in 28 games against the Mets in his career, he has 15 stolen bases and an 827 OPS. That's 100 points higher than his career OPS. If he played a full season against the Mets at this pace, he'd steal nearly 85 bases. In other words, always start John Birdie against the Mets, or quite frankly, the Nationals, or really anyone in the NL East. They can't stop the guy. He's been excellent against his own division, and he even has more power there, uh, especially against the Mets. So that's just one of those stories that you just kind of keep in your mind. Sometimes guys are just good against certain teams, and John Birdie is at full confidence when he faces the blue and orange Mets. So definitely keep an eye on him every time he's facing the Mets in DFS or any kind of con. Starting pitchers from yesterday, I'll start with Carlos Rodon of the Giants. He was at San Diego. He gets the win on nine innings pitched. One earned run, three hits, two walks, 12 strikeouts, 27 whiffs, 112 pitches. Rodon actually sat three ticks above where he was two games ago against the Tigers, clocking in with an average fastball of 96.7 miles per hour. That was really the secret sauce in this one as the fastball racked up 20 whiffs compared to just four in that outing against the Tigers where he was three ticks lower. And quite frankly, Carlos Rodon is an ace to me. Johnny Cueto of the White Sox got the win against the Tigers. He went eight innings pitched, no earned runs, five hits, no walks, five strikeouts, nine whiffs, and he really stuck to the sinker cutter changeup approach, stayed mostly down and away, and it was more than enough against the right-handed heavy Tigers, who really just couldn't make any kind of meaningful contact against Cueto. Kyle Gibson of the Phillies, he went against the Cardinals. It's a no decision, not his fault. He went seven innings pitch with no earned runs, two hits, no walks, and five strikeouts. He won the rematch here. He had just gotten beat up by the Cardinals, but he won the rematch by throwing just a little bit harder, staying out of the middle of the zone. It's all he really needed to do. It allowed all of his stuff to play up more pretty 
pretty much everything was getting more whiffs, and it led to a nice outing for him. Dean Kremer of the Orioles went against the Angels. He gets the win on five innings pitch, no earned runs, two hits, three walks, and seven strikeouts. Strong rebound after he was shelled for five runs against the Rangers on the fourth, matching Dean Kremer's career-high strikeout total of seven. He worked up in the zone a lot with fastballs and covers, although I'm not overly optimistic about the future here. It really seems to be more smoke and mirrors than anything else. Marcus Stroman of the Cubs, he came back uh, from his rehab assignment. He went against the Dodgers. I thought it was going to be scary, and it wasn't. It was four innings pitch with no earned runs, two hits, one walk, and three strikeouts. 59 pitches. And with the Dodgers on the docket, I was just happy to see Marcus Stroman do better than he had been in rehab starts. He featured six different pitches more than five times in this one, really just being a true kitchen sink guy, and it worked, and I'll take it. Clayton Kershaw, I don't have much to say about this other than he destroyed the Cubs. He went 7.2 innings pitch with one earned run, five hits, no walks, and 10 strikeouts, 102 pitches. Big fan of him. Also a big fan of you, Darvish, who did really nicely against the Giants here. It's a no decision on seven innings pitch, one earned run, three hits, two walks, and six strikeouts with 12 whiffs, 101 pitches. Patrick Sandoval, also another great day for him. He went against the Orioles. He got the loss, but he went 6.1 innings pitch, one and run, five hits, two walks, and 10 strikeouts. But a guy I want to talk a little more about is Hunter Green of the Reds. He gets a no decision against the Rays, but he went six innings pitch with one earned run, three hits, four walks, and nine strikeouts. The fastball sat at 100.1 miles per hour in this one, three ticks higher than his last start, and the slider had a devastating 47.6% CSW because when Hunter Green is throwing gas and the slider's working, he is just awesome. Robbie Ray of the Mariners went against the Blue Jays, clipped their wings on six innings, pitched one earned run, three hits, two walks, and six strikeouts. It was the sinker in and the slider down and away to righties. It's all he really needed to do, and he definitely looks like an ace again to me. Cutter Crawford of the Red Sox had a really surprising result against the Yankees. He went five innings, pitched with one earned run, four hits, two walks, and six strikeouts, and this was pretty cool, right? His last four appearances, he's doing quite well. Cutter Crawford has a 2.33 ERA and 24 strikeouts over his last 19.1 innings, but I don't have high expectations for Crawford over the rest of the season, but he might be worth a stream next time he draws a soft matchup, just with how well he's done lately. And then Kyle Wright of Atlanta went against the Nationals. He got the win on seven innings pitch, three earned runs, eight hits, two walks, and five strikeouts. The overall line was good, but I'm a little concerned about the elevated home run rate. He gave up two home runs in this one. It's been climbing in general over the last two weeks. And with the strikeout totals down as well, those home runs could start becoming really difficult to manage. As far as relief outings are concerned, Jorge Lopez got his third save in four outings. So look for Felix Batista or Dylan Tate to take the ball in the ninth if the Orioles are in position to get a save in case you're trying to grab an extra save for this one. In fact, I'm going to go over a bunch of guys who could grab a save for you today to help you in those weekly matchups. Bosox closer Tanner Houck needed 32 pitches to get through the day on Saturday. Look for John Schreiber, who hasn't given up a run since May 27th to step in for a save if needed. All three of the Yankees' arms put in work for the second time in three days, so it's actually quite plausible that a Roldis Chapman of all people gets a crack at a save today. Keep an eye on that. Brooks Raley's the most available of the Rays relievers. He might grab a save today unless they want to turn to Jason Adam for the third time in three days. Colin Poche actually gave up. Uh, he blew a save yesterday, so I, I mostly look to just see who's pitched the least lately. Brooks Raley's that guy. Lutravino picked up his second save of the week in 15 pitches, just in time to show that he should at least keep the job when Danny Jimenez returns. He's converted five saves in his last six outings while taking one loss. And while he might be a minor trade candidate at the deadline, Lou Trevino is at least the closer in Oakland for now. Diego Castillo got the save for the Mariners after Paul Sewald needed 30 pitches on Friday, and it was actually Diego Castillo's third straight game pitching, so we can now sort of conclude that Andres Munoz is most likely to get the ball today if the Mariners are in position for a save. He's been excellent as well. 
Brett Martin now has two straight saves for the Rangers, though, quite frankly, a lefty closer with a low strikeout rate just doesn't seem like the type of pitcher that a manager would have faith in for very long as a closer, so I'm not overly confident in that. Corey Knebel picked up a cheap save after Sir Anthony Dominguez and Brad Hand got the day off. They had both thrown two days in a row. Both should be fully available today, though. And then David Bednar picked up his third save in five days. If the Pirates trade him, I'll be very sad, especially if he's not still a closer, and I'd expect Will Crow to get the job if Bednar ever left or was unavailable, uh, as he secured his third hold in five days as the primary setup guy. So Will Crow is really the one behind David Bednar. And then before we look at the news in the day ahead, I want to take a quick break. So we'll be back right after this. Hey, Alex Fast here. And thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. And we are back just in time for me to send it off with the weather to Mark. Mark, take it away. Thank you very much. Well, looking at the weather map for today, we have only one game with any threat of rain, and that's the Nationals at the Braves. Seems like since we got into this midsummer pattern, we're going to have to watch showers and thunderstorms in Atlanta basically every game until something changes in this weather pattern. And like I said, today is no different. Shouldn't be a postponement. Wouldn't be shocked at the delay. Very well could just play with some showers and thunderstorms dancing around and not really bother much. Anyways, talk to you tomorrow. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Mark. Your weather insights are always appreciated, especially when they tell us a lot of good news. As we look at the day ahead, we'll be looking at pitching performances. We'll be looking at Jake Odorizzi, who should be a popular streamer for a win in ratios today against the Oakland A's. Jose Suarez, who's been quite strong lately for the Angels. He may not be likely to go more than five innings or so, but I still expect him to get decent stats against the Baltimore Orioles. And then on the hitting side, I really like Diamondback lefties like David Peralta against Herman Marquez. I also like anyone in the Atlanta lineup against Pablo Espino. And then just to be a little more spicy, even though Nick Pavetta has been better of late, I like the Yankees against him. I definitely could see a game where Pavetta gives up a ton of home runs to the Bronx Bombers. And I'd also be looking at right-handed Dodgers like Justin Turner, who's really turned things around lately, to have a nice day against home run pro Drew Smiley of the Cubs. And with that, that's everything I've got for you today. Tried to cover everything from yesterday. We're looking at the day ahead. Hope you enjoyed the show today. Uh, We're all really glad that you listened. Please feel free to reach out to us if you have any kind of insight or you have any sort of feedback you want to give to us. We're always very, very receptive to it. Uh, We've already gotten feedback about things like show length and the way we structure it. So please continue to give us that feedback. And with that, have a great rest of your day. Have a beautiful Sunday. Spend time with your family, your loved ones, by yourself, whatever it is you want to do, and have a good day out there. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.